It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome in, it's Utah's World Podcast, Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle, brought to you guys by, of course, Nate Wade Subaru, our beloved friends down there at Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, the Shared the, the share the Love event is going on right now until January 4th. Many folks out there in need of some tender love and care. So uh, guys down there, guys and girls down there at Nate Wade Subaru are doing everything they can to, uh, to help people out during this time. Uh, all right. So normally first episode, we, uh, first episode of the week, I should say, we, we talk about the, the, the game, right? The Colorado game. We'll do that, but my goodness, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. It'll drop later today. And, um, and there was a lot of news on Monday that came out. So I guess let's Holy just, smokes. Yeah. let's just start with the game and then we'll kind of, you know, we'll go from there. I, I think that's okay. kind of the best way to go, Steve, but uh, how was the trip to Boulder? Uh, the trip uh, to Boulder was, was, uh, exciting <laughs> it was it was pretty cool that was my first trip first time to boulder uh i got into denver at about eight o'clock and uh took a little bit to get a rental car sorted out but uh i arrived just in time to see kickoff so literally on right as i'm walking in sitting in my chair right as they kick off so pretty crazy pretty hectic morning but uh, man impressive impressive stadium uh, impressive setting loved it uh pretty cool just how the stadium is set up um uh obviously big win for utah it was a lot of fun to be there to see that to see the emotion from the guys on the sideline and to uh just so good good weekend all around good trip to to boulder all around a beautiful uh part of the world and uh not too far really from from salt lake city so if you haven't been out there when uh when the pandemic ends i would i would highly recommend trying to get a trip out to uh to boulder on the cards because it's it's a beautiful little town um and a, and a fun environment i guess is how i would best describe it but uh the game was was also an interesting subject um so utah right they they received the football to start the game they went down on that first drive steve they they went down and scored there was a i guess you could question a pick play you know solomon Enos running the slant cover yeah kind of running you know this, he played it off well man <laughs> he did he, as you would expect as you would expect from Britton Covey and Solomon Enos found himself wide open for a touchdown up seven nothing and then all of a sudden you know it started to derail a bit didn't it for Utah and, and they went into halftime down 14-10 after a long field goal made by Jaden Redding to end the half um you thought my kind of you start wondering how the second half is going to play out prior to, by the way, Steve, prior to that second half, Utah had only ever scored seven offensive points this season. I mean, they had not produced in the second half. And then, and then the Ty Jordan show erupted and it was game set match. Uh, And the offensive line started to to figure it out. Now I, 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 we do need to say and, and, and note, uh, Landerman, the the linebacker for Colorado, his injury played a significant role in the production uh, for Ty Jordan because he is 
He is that defense, essentially. They base it around him. The commentators couldn't stop talking about it. Gus and Joel on, on Fox, the big noon kickoff, they were just uh, kind of harping on the fact that Landerman is, is is so influential to that football team, specifically on the defensive side. And, and of course, when he went out, it all kind of, uh, the floodgates opened, Steve, I guess, is, is, is yeah. one way to say it, right? Yeah. No, it was his, his absence um, definitely played an impact on Utah's ability to run the ball a little bit more effectively, um, you know, and, and that was kind of a scary scene uh, just because there wasn't really much going on in the play. I, I, if I remember correctly, it was a Cole, yeah. it was a throw to Cole Fotheringham and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the end of the play, you just start, you know, and I'm there in the press box, it's an open window press box. So it was freezing cold in the press box, but anyways, so you can hear everything down on the field and you just hear screaming. Like it was, it was awful. It was an awful scene and you just feel bad for him because he had been having such a great season up to that point um, was really, like you said, the leader of the defense um, and was really an impactful player for the buffs. And, you know, the, seeing the replay, at, you know, non-contact injury. So that's kind of scary because those, those are rarely ever not, you know, not horrible injuries. So um yeah, his his absence was definitely felt, um, but you know, the injuries injuries are, are un, an unfortunate part of the game, and you know Utah was able to to take advantage. I do think, um, you know, in in regards to Utah, the offensive line, you know, uh, had had been struggling to get push up front uh, throughout the game, throughout the first part of the game. You know, Ty Jordan had a big run, but. Uh, unable to really kind of get things going. And then, you know, because you've got depth, because you've got a number of players that you feel comfortable in, you can insert a Braden Daniels into the lineup. And, you know, I don't know exactly what, what that, what, how that decision came to be. You know, it wasn't just Keaton Bills was struggling. Um, He didn't appear to have a significant injury of any sort, Uh, but you know, you, you roll with Braden Daniels to throw him in there and, you know, his one of the, the very first plays that he's able to take over, you know, while he's in there is it leads to a Ty Jordan uh, score, a touchdown from 18 yards out. Just a, And he had a key block where he created a lot of movement. And, you know, that kind of got some got some momentum going for Utah. And, and they, uh, you know, they they got something rolling there after that and and really just kind of fed off of that off of that drive in that second half. Yeah, no, no kidding. What what I loved um, about the contest, Steve, from a Utah perspective, was I, I I felt as though it was it was probably the first time this year we've seen a, a well balanced attack by by Utah, uh, and that, and that was kind of the narrative entering entering the season. You know, mm-hmm. specifically as it re- relates to the passing game, and and I think Ty Jordan so far this year has been immaculate i mean he's just been i mean he essentially yeah. he essentially made two running backs transfer yesterday and we'll get to that in a minute but you know he he is the future of utah football from an offensive standpoint and he has all the trades i mean he, he has breakaway speed he's a track star he can he can break away we saw that with the long run uh late in the game the the, yeah. the 66 yarder to kind of put the final nail in the coffin he 
he can kind of he he never falls backwards. You know, he always falls forwards. He's only he's only five seven five eight two hundred pounds. He sticks around in pass protection too. He digs his heels in and he and he takes hits from linebackers that you know are much taller and far, and outweigh him drastically. And and, and he is the real deal. I want to put a, a, a pretty big em, em, emphasis on that because. He's everything you see, and, and it's unbelievable just how talented he is and how composed and mature. I mean, he scored that 66-yarder, and instead of celebrating with his teammates or anything, he kind of yeah. made that, like, pump the brakes, you know? Let's just, like... Yeah. And I'm like, my word, you know, just to be that young and that mature and that explosive and that dynamic, and it's it, they just, it just doesn't happen very often. So Utah has themselves an absolute weapon in, in Ty Jordan, and... Yeah, I want to speak to anybody that said they saw that coming that wasn't, you know, in Ty Jordan's circle. You know, I'm sure his family and 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 relatives probably saw it coming because they've watched him for so long. But yeah, he he has just burst onto the scene. But but what I loved was the pass catches, Steve. I mean, Britton Covey had nine receptions for crying out loud. Brant Keithy had three. Brian Thompson had two. Uh, Solomon Enos had three. Ty Jordan had two. Cole Fothering had himself a catch as well. I mean, it was like pretty well spread out. And um, I'm sure, you know, the, the Utah haters out there will be crying because Brant Keithy didn't get more than three catches. But it's it's about time we see Britton Covey with nine. Mr. Reliable's back. And it just becomes very problematic for any team that Utah plays because you've got this yep. dynamic running back that can seemingly do it all. And now you've got a healthy Britton Covey combined with Brant Keithy, arguably one of the better tight ends in the Pac-12 and potentially the country. And then Brian Thompson, he doesn't get many looks, but he comes down with everything that's thrown his way. You know, it's it's that there are weapons all of a sudden on, on the offensive side. And, and, um, and I think that was, for me anyway, what was most enjoyable. What, what did you make of the whole thing? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And it was honestly kind of refreshing to watch you know, Utah open it up a little bit with the passing attack and to, you know, try and get, you know, Solomon Enos more more opportunities to get Britton Covey more opportunities. You know, they they weren't able to get Brian Thompson as many looks as as those two, but they were still they capitalized on some opportunities down the field to to Brian Thompson. He had, man, arguably if not the top play, you know, if not the top highlight, like it's up there with his catch down the sideline. You know, he's he's got such a knack just on those vertical routes of positioning himself between, you know, where the ball is going to be and the defender and securing the catch. And it's, you know, that was really good to see that. But, you know, I love that they, they tried to get Solomon Enos going. You know, that's something that many people have, have harped on. You know, <laughs> honestly, since since Enos got here, really, it seems like. Um, but it, it was good to see them go to Solomon and, and to get him a look in, you know, for a touchdown you know, on the very first possession. I thought that that was a great message to send um, to, to Solomon, you know, where you've uh, – I think we all understand why the passing game hasn't been as effective as – many had hoped it would be coming into the season. Um, you know, just with everything that has gone on, Jake Bentley coming into um, the, the starting job due to an injury and all of that, it just took a little while for Bentley to, to kind of get comfortable. And even in that game, you know, tough conditions, it took him a while to get going. Um, 
you know, he started out great, completed a pass to Keithy on a screen for a big play, and then obviously later on completed the slant route to, to Enos for the score. But, you know, Bentley kind of struggled a little bit in that first half, and uh, it was, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of worry <laughs> that things weren't going to get better. Like, as you as you pointed out, Tom, Utah hasn't been very effective in the second half so far this season. But Andy Ludwig, Kyle Whittingham, have a little chat with him at halftime. And, uh, you know, what do you know? Bentley comes out in the second half and plays a little bit better and executes and takes advantage of opportunities down the field. And, and Utah, you know, they had a much more balanced attack, as you pointed out as well. And that allowed, I think, you know, the fact that Bentley was able to come out and complete passes uh, to guys in that second half, I think that that actually allowed Jordan to be more effective in the run game in that second half as well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. Um, if you're a Utah football fan or just a fan of college football for that matter, you'd probably now realize that you've got to score enough points to win games. Uh, the old saying "defense wins championships" is becoming less and less uh, accurate. I would argue you just have to find a way to put up. 28 points a game if you if you can't put up 28 points a game you just you're not gonna win it's it's pretty it's pretty simple these days and so that's why i think for me you know i always look at the offense once the game's concluded and i kind of start breaking down what i liked what i didn't like about and there were there were very few things that i didn't like about this game i felt bentley maybe could have had a few more a few more uh, better passages of play a few series there in that in that first half after the the touchdown oh, drive to yeah. open the game where you got gee you know he's, he's still missing throws every now and again but you know like right. we talked about last week Steve he's getting better as the weeks go on I think that's promising for Utah football fans he may not be the quarterback in 2021 that you know time will tell but but he is progressing I think that's all anybody can ask of of him right um which is which is always good to see. Anytime you, you develop, you progress, you show that you're getting better on a weekly basis. I think I think I think Utah fans should be at least content with that, wouldn't you agree? No, I agree. And uh, like obviously, you know, I, I think the message coming out is just how difficult this this year has been for the team. And you know. All that we can ask is that these guys get better each and every week. And so far, Jake Bentley has has done that. You know, it it's it's frustrating at times because you want to see progress on a continual path, but progress isn't always like that. You know, there are going to be ups and downs, but you want to see overall uh, a trend of up ups and downs that that continue on an upward path. And so, I, I think that first half there was just a lot of worry that that things hadn't gotten better. And, and, you know, obviously uh, the coaching staff felt <laughs> felt to Bentley and have a little, you know, have a few words with him at halftime. Um, but, uh, again, he came out in that second half and he did what he needed to do and he, he made the most of his opportunities. And that's all that you can ask of these guys is, you know, obviously we want to see progress, but taking advantage of the opportunities when they're there you don't need to be a high profile passing attack that throws for 300 yards, but you know, a, a stat line of that, that Jake Bentley put together, a, you know, where he's going 20 of 32 for 240 yards. I think, you know, a lot of fans would be quite happy with that type of performance, particularly, you know, again, I'm going to make the point 
when you're able to have at least the threat of a, a passing game, it's going to make things that much easier on the run game. And, and so it's important for Bentley to continue playing at a level that makes the passing game a threat. And so, you know, he made progress. He's made progress each and every week. Uh, it took the second half of this game to kind of to see that progress. But I think each and every week he's gotten better. I'm excited to see him this Saturday against Washington State and the progress that he'll make. I, I hope that he's able to put together his best game um, this season. Uh, big shout-out to Ty Jordan. He won uh, – was it Freshman of the Week again or was it Offensive Player of the Week? It was one of the two, Steve. Yeah, Freshman of the Week. Freshman yeah, of the freshman Week. Freshman of the Week. And Jaden Redding won Special Teams Player of the Week for back-to-back weeks. So congratulations to those guys. Jaden Redding, I, I just got to quickly Dude, say. he's nails. Yeah, he's rock solid. Look, he, he's – I don't mean this – I really don't mean this in a bad way. He's not an NFL kicker. Uh, he just doesn't have the he, – he doesn't have the leg pop or the strength. You know, he's good from like 45 and in, and, and he had a long – he had a couple – he had a pair of 43 yarders. Um but they don't have a ton of height on them. Like to be fair, you know, I'm watching that going. Colorado, if they if they were half decent on special teams, could could probably come up with a scheme to block that. But um, but he but look, he's he's good and he's accurate. Yeah. And at the college yeah. level, you know, uh, easier said than done uh, at that position. Right. So so congratulations to Jaden, of course, Ty for being honoured by the conference. Uh, I have received a few tweets while we're talking about special teams as to kind of what's going on with Benny. Lennon, the punter, uh, he's he's like honestly, he's one of my best mates. So I'm not going to talk poorly about him, and, and I'll never, I'll never do that. So if you're trying to get right. me to kind of throw dirt on, you know, if you if you're listening, one of those uh, tweeters that are asking me, I know you just want constructive criticism, but it's kind of between me and Ben. Um, he's just he's 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 in a bit of a. Uh, a poor patch of form and his confidence is down. I, look, the only thing I'll say is I, I've tried to get myself up there at the U and watch him and help him during the week, but I am not allowed. I have been told that uh, for whatever reason that is not uh, that is not not, not going to happen. So uh, hopefully he he can figure it out sooner rather than later. And on that punt return in particular, he just kicked it to the wrong spot, yeah. which was that's on him. So and he and, knows that. Go on, Steve. And, and you know it's 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 amazing the the difference when you have confidence and when you don't it, it just seems like things can kind of snowball uh when you you lack confidence especially at this level like i remember playing high school high school ball basketball football like i didn't have there were games where i didn't have a lot of confidence and i you know <laughs> bad things happened yeah. you know and that's at the high school level and, and so you know you, you talk about this and it just seems like things kind of snowball and so you know hopefully Hopefully Benny is is able to to kind of regain some confidence, re reignite that confidence in himself. He's like you've talked about him before. Incredible leg. Uh, it, it's just sometimes you don't kick him as as well as you can, as you know you can, and um, it's tough. It's tough to to see for him going through it, but you know hopefully he's able to kind of get yeah. things going. Yeah, I could spend hours, Steve. Honestly, talking about why he's not hitting the ball as well as he should be, but uh, that's probably uh, a little extreme. I, I don't need to do that, and, and people don't care. But uh, he's hanging in there, I guess, is, is all I can say on that matter, uh, trying to improve. But, you know, it's difficult given certain circumstances. Hey, we can't get out of here, and I do want to get, of course, your your grades, offensive, defense, and special teams. 
so keep that in mind, Steve. But but yeah. quickly, um, you know, we can't get out of here. We can't stop talking about this game before we move on to the events that happened on Monday without talking about the defensive effort from Utah. Specifically, you know, I, I think there are a few areas that need addressing, and I'm going to leave this up to you, Steve. But Colorado, early on in the game, they were tossing that football left, right, and center any way they wanted to, and, and Utah found a way to kind of limit – uh, Sam Neuer, the quarterback, uh, as the game progressed, yeah. and then and then maybe most importantly, uh, Jarek uh, Broussard. Pardon me. He he's coming off a, th- a game where he rushed for three hundred yards uh, a week ago, and, and he only mustered eighty yards against Utah. I don't know if that suggests Arizona are that bad. Who he rushed for three hundred yards uh, <laughs> against, or if Utah's actually really pretty good on the deep maybe a combination of both but what do you make of yeah. Sam Neuer being able to toss the football around anywhere he wanted and then that suddenly went away like what what did you see from Utah's defensive backs that allowed that to happen and then if you could touch on uh, obviously the the run defense as well yeah you know I think the the, the conditions in that game did not make it easy for defensive secondary uh, players like Obviously, Utah was able to kind of create some separation on on the offense side of the ball. Um, but, you know, it took a little bit of time for the secondary to kind of settle in and uh, get used to the conditions there. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's uh, – it's it's not an excuse for the plays that they gave up because, you know, they're right there. Like I, the, the Clark Phillips, the deep ball uh, that was completed to Levante Chenault, um, Clark Phillips is right there and, you know, he's in good position, not great position, but he's there and he's, he's, he should be able to, to make a play there. And so, Steve, uh, the, the, you the, know, the, the quickly, the, um, you just triggered my memory The the bubble screen, the wide receiver screen, they tossed Malone Mataele took a, a horrible angle and it looked oh. like he was just trying not to slip that they're, they're the sort of conditions you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it definitely. And that was, you know, that was the first play coming out of coming out of halftime, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh, boy. But, you know, they, they kind of settled in, got their footing underneath them. But, yeah, that was a that was a horrible play. Like, obviously, you mentioned Malone Mattelli. Vontae Davis took a horrible angle to the ball coming down from, you know, his his high safety look. Uh, and, you know, Brendan Rice was able to house that thing. But for me, the, the defensive performance really belongs – the credit, a lot of the credit belongs to the guys up front on the defensive line, just because again, conditions of the game is tough. You need to take away one aspect of the game. And when you talk about Jarek Broussard, watching him, it was interesting. He's such a unique back in that he's so creative and unique as a runner. He made cuts where I was like, Oh wow. I did not, not expect that did not see that. Uh, But you know, there was a play he was weaving in and out of traffic and, you know he was he was a very creative runner and to to limit him to his the to eighty yards I think it what it was, um, where I think it was thirty five of those yards came on two carries so you limit his explosive plays and you you limit him to I think twelve carries forty five yards which is less than four yards a carry that's pretty good uh, that's a pretty good effort especially considering the fact that he just ran for three hundred yards against Arizona. Obviously, Arizona gave up 70 points to Arizona State. So, you know, I think we kind of have an idea of that Arizona Wildcat defense. But, you know, Mika Tafua, he didn't have a lot of, you know, traditional stats, you know, in terms of tackles and sacks. 
But that dude changed the game for Utah in the second half. Uh, he got cr- three three crucial pressures that led to incompletions. He had two batted passes, uh, which one of which came on a fourth down. Yep. And he was he was playing like a man possessed in that yeah. second half, and really kind of came to life. And I think um, so. So for me, I think a lot of the credit belongs to the guys up front, uh, but uh, the secondary, the linebackers, Nephi Sewell made some incredible plays. His interception was a great play, and uh, really, it was a, a great way to see Utah kind of kind of make some adjustments in the second half and and play better. That was good to see from that group. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Defensive line, and, and that's why before the season started, mind you, you, you and I were both talking about how, you know, I, I know that I know there were question marks about that defensive line. You lost right. a ton of talent from a year ago, but at the same time, it's like just don't doubt them until they, no, nope. they make you feel like you need to because they just haven't done that. My entire existence here in Utah, eight years now, they've, they've never had a bad defensive line. Now they've had years where they've been better than other years, but by you know, they're, they're still good for crying out loud, still you yeah. know, top of the tier type of stuff. And and again, it, it proved uh, to be the case this this past week. Hey, I do I do think um, I, I do think a quick conversation surrounding Nick Ford needs to be addressed because um, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, you know, I'm not going to rip into him here, but but a couple of those snaps he played the center position he's not a center yeah. you know i i do want to reiterate he's not a center so so that's why i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here but he he's playing the center position he's he was very inconsistent with the snaps it just you know it's the first essential part of any offensive progression right you've got to find the way to get the ball to your quarterback when he's in the shotgun position and uh, and like that fourth down, right, where they, it was on the one-yard line, Brant Keithy was in the wildcat, and uh, and nothing eventuated because the snap went below Keithy's left ankle, and, and he ended up having to pick it up 10 yards behind him. And, and it's just, you know, you've got to be better than that. Nick Ford knows that, um, right. no question. But he does, I, I will say, he does talk a bit on Twitter, Steve. You know, if you're going to talk, you got to yes. better bloody back it up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so this is not right. me having a dig at Nick. This is just a, a warning, if you will. Uh, you got to be better, man. <laughs> a friendly you, reminder. Yes, you've got. <laughs> yeah. If you want to talk to talk, you got to be great. You can't just be good. And he was not that over the weekend. All right, that's enough for that because I, I feel bad. <laughs> uh, but Steve, you're great. Offensive great. What are you going with? You know, I'm going to give the group, the offensive group, a uh, an A minus. Um, you know, and and a lot of that is dependent upon their them showing better in the second half, and that's that's honestly when it matters most. And to do that on national television, to have a breakout performance on that stage from Ty Jordan, um, man, you couldn't ask for more. Obviously, you would love to see him be more efficient in the first half. But 38 points, uh, they scored 28 in that second half. That's fantastic. I give them an A-. minus. Defense? I'm going to go A- minus as well. Obviously, again, it came down to their performance in the second half and the improved effort on that side of the ball. A little worrisome, you know, (laughs) through that first half as as, uh, Sam Neuer's kind of picking them apart. Uh, But, you know, for the most part, those guys buckled down um, and and really played well in that second half and, and made some key stops. Uh, to keep Colorado from from making it more of a game than it was, so I'll go A minus there as well. And last but not least, the specialist. Obviously, I think a lot of people are going to think on that uh, that touch touchdown return 
that they gave up to Brennan Rice. Um, you know, that was unfortunate. Uh, but honestly, like, I think Britton Covey made a big impact on that yeah. game. When you talk about his ability to provide Utah a very positive field position, and, you know, even though, you know, Utah kind of struggled to move the ball after their first possession, that allowed Utah to flip the field and keep Colorado in, in, neg- in not great field position. So I think that was a key point. I'll go B-plus for special teams. I had a feeling that's where you were going to go. Uh, all right, let's uh, shift gears, Steve, and uh, talk about the juicy stuff. So uh, we don't like we normally record on on Monday, and uh, I mean right. I should have known this. I should have because yesterday it was just all unraveling in front of our eyes, uh, and of course you were just bloody slammed. You were you're making your dough yesterday. Yeah. You know it's yeah. Uh, it was it was kind. Of, so I guess. I'm just going to hand this over to you because you follow this closer than I do. Uh, I hear things, most of which I can't repeat anyway. So what on earth happened yesterday, Steve, on Monday? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously when you have an emerging star like Ty Jordan as a true freshman, uh, kind of taking control of things in the backfield, um, you know, any time that you have a freshman kind of take control of a, of a, of a position group, um, you know, it's often you see upperclassmen and others around him in the same group kind of uh, decide to to look for an opportunity elsewhere. And that's what Utah saw la- uh, yesterday as Devin Brumfield announced his decision to enter the transfer portal, followed shortly by the announcement of Jordan Wilmore uh, and, and his announcement, uh, you know, to enter the transfer portal as well. So, um, you know, it, it was it was painful to see. But I think, obviously, you know why it happened, and it's because Utah has a star in in the making at, in Ty Jordan and, and his ability. You go back and watch the games, and it's something that, you know, we've talked about is just that Ty Jordan operated at a different speed than, than the other guys, um, and he has capitalized on opportunities. He's made plays, and, you know, he's proven – his ability to uh, to handle the workload and and the bulk of of the reps, and so you know Ty Jordan uh, or uh, Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, uh, both of both decided that they were going to find try and find an opportunity elsewhere where they could be a, the number one running back and 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 kind of uh, find just a better opportunity where they can make their case for the NFL. And and that's something to always keep in mind is, you know, these guys, they all have the desire to play in the NFL. They're not just going to be content in, in coming here and and competing and sitting as they watch somebody else younger than them, um, you know, take the reps and and have their shine. They want that opportunity as well. You know, it's, it's, it's part of today's game is guys are looking for looking out for themselves and with the transfer portal making it more of of uh, more open, more available, um, you're you're seeing guys all over the country um, enter the transfer portal and and look for a better opportunity as well. So you know it it, it stinks because you never want to see guys leave the program, but you understand that these guys are, are just doing what's best for them, and you wish them the best. And it's I guess to add to that, right? It's um. It's not like they're leaving because of a, a cultural issue or you know right. issues with coaching staff. I mean, they're, they're leaving because 
Utah has a true freshman running back that is out of this world good, or at least through four games has signified his intent of taking the majority of the snaps. And for good bloody reason, he is worldy. I mean, it's, it's a joy to watch Ty Jordan go to work because he yeah. just, he seems to, uh, he seems to, you know, ha- have you, have you in awe essentially. Um, is this, this is, this is the new landscape of college football, right? I mean, with the transfer portal being yeah. introduced a couple of years ago now, or a year or two ago, whenever it was, it, it becomes much easier to be noticed when you're unhappy for whatever those reasons may be. And I guess this is just the future of college football happening right before our very eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only, you know, with the transfer portal, but you know, the NCA is about to approve a, you know, one time, no, no penalty transfer. And so, you're going to see just a wave of guys enter the transfer portal that are looking for opportunities because they're going to have the opportunity to go somewhere else and be immediately eligible. They won't have to sit. They won't have to apply for a waiver. None of that. They're going to be able to go anywhere where they, they feel is the best opportunity for them. And so, you know, uh, the transfer portal, it's going to explode. It's going to have a, you know, Kyle Whittingham has talked about this over the last couple of weeks that they expect a big wave of guys to enter the transfer portal and so uh, transfer portal is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And, you know, obviously the, the one-time transfer thing, it is just that a one-time transfer uh, without penalty, just because of um, the, the, the COVID changes that they've had to make to, to scholarship uh, and the guys that have the waiver next year, the seniors that have the waiver next year. And so, uh, man, it's it's going to be crazy. Transfer portal is going. It's and and honestly, I'm kind of all over the place right now. I apologize, Tom. It's um, all right. But the, the the transfer portal is has been a tool that Utah has utilized really well. You know, and and I know there's a lot of fear about losing players from the program, but I think Utah has learned to really kind of utilize the transfer portal. And they've done a great job with the guys that they've brought in through the transfer portal. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be crucial. It's a it's going to be a crucial source of roster management. You know, over the the next few months. Um, and so, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that unfolds. Um, but but yeah, the transfer portal, man, it's it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's 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 bonkers to me to just think back. You know to 2015 when I was around, there was no transfer portal. You know, there were a lot of guys on that football team that weren't happy because they weren't playing, but you know, there was only so much they felt as though they could do. And now, and even, you know, even early days, and I know we're still in them technically, but you know, when the transfer portal was, was first introduced, I got the sense anyway, that the majority of people that were entering that, that realm were, were, were ones that um, were probably unhappy because of you know, a certain coach was disrespecting them or they just felt disrespected. They weren't happy, but it w- I just didn't get the sense that there were many players in the transfer portal early, early on because they weren't getting playing time. You know, the old notion of just sticking around, hanging it in there, hanging out, you know, just waiting patiently for your time. Now, you know, we're at a point now, Jordan Wilmore, Devin Brumfield, great example of that. Uh, there's no time to waste anymore. I mean, it's if, if you're not yeah. playing, you're gonna go 
to a place where you you can play or at least where you're told you can play. And I do want to reiterate that yeah, I know it's scary. The Utah fans out there are like, oh, we're picking up transfers. Well, you know, something must have happened to them for them to have gone into the tra- – whoever picks up Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore are getting themselves great, great football players, you know, productive, productive yeah. running backs that are top-tier level guys. And, and quite frankly, you know, for me anyway, I think Jordan Wilmore's got a great chance at, at making the NFL. Devin Brumfield uh, right behind him. So um, – it's just fa- I do. Look, I also will will add that I think it it is kind of like the wild wild west. The transfer portal is kind of right. wild. I I do think it it needs you know oh, yeah. a, a bit more regulation. Uh, may, maybe some specific dates where you know I don't know. I don't I don't have yes. the answers, but it just it feels a little yes. chaotic. And I think I think the NCAA needs to step in, which they won't because they stink and they have no idea how to operate. But uh that's another that's another conversation for another time yeah. hey, uh last question <laughs> as it relates to wilmore and brumfield um so they've entered the transfer portal are they so they're not going to play this week i imagine or are they correct yeah they will not be playing this weekend so they are off so the it's team. just gonna be yeah so it's it's basically yeah they're they're uh they're done um they, uh, it'll just be Ty Jordan and Makai Bernard carrying the rock for Utah this Saturday. Um, and so, yeah, so they're, they're done. They are done. All right. Well, there you have it. So, um, I also think quickly <laughs> when it comes to the transfer portal, like nothing irritates me more when you hear a coach say, you know, if they enter the transfer portal, they're not allowed back into the program. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, I could go on for a while. I'm not going to. And I think you understand where my frustration is coming from. But, it's it, you know, you talk about a selfish mentality. My word is that, you know, it's like, good grief, coach. He's just trying to better, you know, he's just trying to make his life better. That's it. That's it. That's all he's doing. Especially if he's, okay, stop talking, Tom. Um, that'll do it for this week's episode oh the first part steve i should say we'll be back in uh, like a day or two i don't know and we'll talk about the uh the upcoming cougars not the byu cougars but the washington state cougars by the way speaking of which if you guys are hopeful that uh, utah byu is going to play in a bowl game think again it ain't happening get over it and move oh. on start thinking about that christmas ham uh, because that'll be better for you. But uh, all right, Nate Wade Subaru, we love them. Steve, we love you, our listeners. We adore you guys. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll be back in a couple of days. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. 
What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.